Good morning, FBC. My name is John Gert, and I am the creative arts pastor here. And I want to say thanks to Phoebe for leading this week, as normally I'm leading worship, and I get an opportunity to preach last week, this week, and next week. So other people are filling in, and I'm just so appreciative of them. But we're in our series, Hurry. And I sound a little hurried, because I was just playing drums, and I ran over there. And so let's take a breath, calm down. We're in week three of our series, Unhurrying. Hurry crossed out. Don't hurry is the message behind that title. Based on the book, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. So if you haven't bought that book, I highly encourage you to uh, listen through the library app, Hoopla. You can listen to it if you've got a library card, listen to the book. Uh, Buy it on Amazon, your local bookstore, wherever. It is an awesome book. Also, you can use the companion guide that we have available on our website, familybible.church, on our app. Also, the physical copies are in the cafe if you'd like to grab one of those. It's a great opportunity for you to walk alongside us during the week and follow along with the series as well. So last week, we talked about silence and solitude. And you were challenged to spend 15 to 30 minutes every day this week in silence and in solitude. And we talked about this place of Aramos, where it's a solitary place, a place set aside. And I'm curious how that went for you. So I would love to hear if you met this challenge, if you did that this week, for you to email me or Chris. My email is john, J-O-N, at familybible.church. Chris's is K-R-I-S at familybible.church. We would love to hear from you, to hear your stories of how God is working and helping you to slow down and what happened for you during this week. But I want to ask you a question that I think most of us say yes to. We all have desires, don't we? We all desire something, whether it's relationships, material possessions, family, could be work, a job, food, right? We all desire food. Whatever it might be, we all have desires. And the good news is we live in a world that wants to play on our desires and sell us things that will fulfill our desires. Isn't that great? Sometimes, sometimes not but they inevitably just want to make money off of the fact that we have desires. A world that tells us, if you want it, we have it, and you can have it for the low, low price of $9.95 a month or something along those lines. All you have to do is buy it, and it will fulfill you. It'll give you rest. It'll cause you to unhurry. Or if you want it, work hard, and you'll get it. All you have to do is hurry, and you have to do more, and be more, and buy more, and do more, and be more, and buy more, and it's this vicious cycle, and it makes us feel overwhelmed. Hence why we're doing this series. Because it's all available, everything. All of your desires can be met for a price. After all, there are a host of people on Instagram and Facebook that have accomplished this dream. All of their desires have been met, and they are showing us their lives on all of these pictures on Instagram for us to go to and live vicariously through and see they've done it. I can do it too. All I have to do is buy into uh, their product that they're selling, and then I'll be just like them. So maybe you desire to get away on vacation. Well, Instagram is there for you. Check this out. So it's rainy. Your phone's going off. I need a vacation. Well, go to the beach. It's that easy, right? Or... Oh, it's Michigan weather, winter, it's so cold. Let's go to the beach again. Easy, wait, let's rewind, and oh, it's not real. She's not even outside. This is in a studio where they're filming everything, 
and they're trying to sell you, hey, go on vacation. It'll be easy. It'll be fun. Don't worry about it. Or maybe it's love that you want. You desire love. Instagram is there for you, all right? So check this out. Look at this couple. They're so in love, right? When in reality, this is what actually happened. <laughs> or this uh, wedding where the bride is so happy. Look at the bridal party. It's huge in there. Oh, nope, that's not real either. Actually, they're all actors, and that's all a rig, and none of it was real. It's just there to sell you. You need to get married and buy this wedding dress and this product, and it'll make you happy. Just buy this thing. Or maybe in line with the series that we're doing, you're desperate to slow down. Your life is out of control. You feel hurried. So all you have to do is buy a planner. That'll fix everything. And this specific planner will make it so life is just super easy. Check this out, all right? Oh man, she has a scone ready, an apple ready, and this video is paused and not actually playing, but it continues on if the video is actually playing, and we could try and start that video over. It'd be great to go off of that slide and then back to it. Hey, so everything is ready. She's got it planned out. And then, oh, let's work out. It's in my calendar, so I'll actually do it. Or I'll do a little bit of work. I've planned this chunk of time, and I have a recipe ready and all the ingredients out because it's in my planner when in all reality, she's not in her bed. This is all a set, and it's all rigged up to do this. So again, they're trying to sell you something. This planner, though, is legit. You will find everything you need by buying this specific planner. You get the idea, right? Well, my favorite one, though, is this one because I want to get away. I want to be a solitary life. And we've all seen those people that convert old buses on Instagram, old vans, and they just get away, right? And it's wanderlust is what they call it. It looks amazing. I want to get away. Well, this one is perfect. This cabin here is where I want to go. The mountains in the background, the trees. My trusty dog is with me. I'm making lunch over the fire inside. It becomes night again, and I hear the chirping of the bugs, and oh, it's going to make me fall asleep so well. I love this setting. But in all reality, absolutely none of it's real. Not a single element of that whole thing was real. In fact, each step was placed in there in Photoshop. So again, they're trying to show you, you can get away, you can have it all, but that place does not even exist. They created it. See, the world we live in wants to play on our desires, even the basic desire for rest. In fact, that is one of the things that is sold most on Instagram and Facebook is slowing down, getting away, going on vacation, taking a break from this hurried pace of life. And no matter how hard we try to pursue or recreate what we're sold, we're not going to be able to achieve exactly that because it's a construct. It's an advertisement. It's a product. But that's not going to stop us from trying, is it? We'll continually go back to that as we're in our news feeds, as we're on the news. And, you know, my wife freaks out when I say, we need a new vacuum. And then I go on Google and all of a sudden I have advertisements for vacuums on there, right? So when you say, I need a vacation, guess what's going to show up on your news feed? Vacation places. See, they're trying to sell us all this and we keep going back to it. If I get this one thing, it's going to solve everything. That's why Dallas Willard, he says this, Desire is infinite, partly because we were made by God, made for God, made to need God, and made to run on God. 
We can be satisfied only by the one who is infinite, eternal, and able to supply all of our needs. We are only at home in God. When we fall away from God, the desire for the infinite remains, but it's displaced upon things that will certainly lead to destruction. We are created innately with desire. We want, we need, and God is the only thing that is able to fulfill that desire. Not those things sold to us on Instagram and Facebook, only God. But when we continue to try and fulfill our desires away from God, we get into a place of restlessness, of disillusionment that causes us to hurry and say, I got to do more. I need to get more. If I get this thing done, then it'll make me happy and I'll just hurry, 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 hurry. And then I'll be able to have more things, more desires. And that cycle starts again. So what do we do as Christians? To combat this cultural idea that we need to acquire more, to do more, to be more, to have more in order to find fulfillment and rest. Well, we look at the practices of Jesus, like we talked about last week. We look at his way of living. And Jesus says something really poignant in Matthew 6 about this idea. Verses 19 through 21, he says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if our treasure, if our hearts are aligned with more, needing more, viewing more, acquiring more, that's where our hearts are going to be. See, Jesus rested and was content in the things of God, this simple life, which we'll talk a little bit more about next week. And when we model the way of Jesus, we realize we don't need more. We need to rest in him. His desires were satisfied because they were placed in God alone. Ronald Rollheiser says, True restfulness, though, is a form of awareness, a way of being in life. It is living ordinary life with a sense of ease, gratitude, appreciation, peace, and prayer. We are restful when ordinary life is enough. We are restful when we realize God has given us everything we need. See, we need to slow down enough to realize that the life God gave us at the beginning in the garden was all we needed. But even Adam and Eve said, yeah, but what about this one thing? I want more. You've given me everything I could ever desire, but I want that one thing you said I couldn't have. See, it's in our DNA. It's inherent in us that we as a humanity, as people, we do the same thing. We have everything we could ever want right at our fingertips, and yet we say, I need more, I need more, I need more. So we're never satisfied. But Psalm 37, 4 says, Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. So instead of trying to pursue all of these things and get all of these things, God is saying, take delight in me. Take a moment to stop and realize what I've given you. 
And you'll realize that I've already fulfilled your desires. I've already given you the desires of your heart. And I will continue to. So how do we slow down to know the contentment we can have in God and know this rest, this unhurried pace of life that Jesus lived out? How do we slow down enough to know God's delight? Sabbath. And I know a lot of you probably were just like, again? You guys have talked about that quite a bit recently. Or Sabbath, how can that solve everything? That's just a day where you don't do anything. How is that going to make me feel fulfilled and unhurried? Well, in short, that is the answer. Because the word Sabbath comes from the Hebrew word Shabbat, which literally means to stop and to delight. To stop and to delight. As John Mark Comer says, it has the dual idea of stopping and also of joying in God and our lives in his world. The Sabbath is an entire day set aside to follow God's example, to stop and delight. Because when we look at God's example, it's a reflection of what he did in creation. He spent six days creating, and then he spent that last day saying, it is good, and reflecting and delighting in his creation and saying, wow, look at this. I want to rest in this. I want to delight in this. He abided in that moment. In the book of Exodus, Moses comes down from Mount Sinai with this list of commands, these tablets that we know as the Ten Commandments. And one of them is to remember the Sabbath and to keep it holy, to keep it sanctified, to set it apart, to remember it, to remember the Sabbath. He's saying, I want you to live out my example I did this, and I see the benefits of it, and I want you to remember it. I'm giving it to you as a command, but it's also a gift. You have no idea how much this is going to impact you. This is for you. Sabbath is for you. And then later on, the people of Israel are reminded again about this essential rhythm to life, and the word has changed from remember to observe the Sabbath. So we're going to talk about the difference real quick. If we remember the Sabbath, there is an action built in here. It's to reminisce, to remind ourselves of the blessings of God, to stop and to delight, to remember who God is. John Mark breaks it out this way. Remember that life as it comes to us is a gift. When's the last time that you stopped and said, thank you, God, that I'm alive? Thank you that I'm breathing. Thank you for my son and my daughter that I saw born into this life. And recently, for us, Avery, the life that he has considering how he came into this world. Thank you for life. It's a gift. Remember to take time to delight in it as an act of grateful worship. So not only are you delighting in the Lord, but you're turning back to him and saying, thank you. You are glorious. You are powerful. You are magnificent. You are amazing. I want to worship you. And I want to delight in you. And then remember to be present to the moment and its joy. I know that the crafts are here and they would agree with me. We went through a season as people, and Angela and I did the same thing where we had phones on our cameras, right? And we're taking pictures of everything and not printing anything off. I know Lori is a huge advocate for that. Get your pictures printed, people, right? But what happened was, in our family, especially with Evie, we took pictures of everything, 
videoed everything. And we weren't in the moment because we were taking pictures of the moment. So we've, in the last two kids, taken a lot less pictures. In fact, my mom who's here will every once in a while say, hey, send me a picture, I need to see him. So when they have their open houses, Evie's is going to be astounding. You guys are going to see all these videos. And then Everett and Avery are going to be like, where are all the pictures at? But it's, it's one of those things where you, you don't realize you're not in the moment because you're hurrying, you're doing other things. So remember to be present and to enjoy the moment. So essentially spend the time of Sabbath worshiping God by being reminded of his goodness and delight in that goodness. Give praise in that time. As Psalm 1611 says, you make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. See, God has given us life. We remember that life. We remember the fact that in his presence, we can have joy. He gives us all of the desires, all of the pleasures that we need. He can fulfill that. Only he can. So Sabbath, excuse me, isn't simply a day off where we don't do anything. It's a day spent asking the question, is this rest and is this worship? Does this cause me to rest and to delight in the Lord? Am I abiding in the delight of the Lord with no desire for the things of the world? And am I worshiping God in that delight? And realizing I have enough. God has given me what I need. Even if I don't have a lot of things, I have the presence of God. And John Mark Comer, he defines worship this way. He says, anything to index your heart toward grateful recognition of God's reality and goodness. So when your heart is moved to God as a result of delighting in those uh, elements of him and creation and the people around you, even the things you might have, giving praise to God for that. So as I remember my week, my year, my life, what are the things I can be grateful for? Can I press pause on my desires, all of those superfluous things that I, I have to have and realize that the desire I really need is to be in his presence? That's what Sabbath is, is pressing pause on all that. You see, when we do this, when we find Sabbath, when we take the time to delight in him, we are filled. We find renewal. Psalm 1 tells us this, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law, who's in the way, who is in the presence of the Lord, and who meditates who delights, who reflects on it day and night. As a result of doing that, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. So those that delight in the Lord, take the time to rest in him and to know him, will be filled to the point where you're producing fruit. If you want people to know the love of God, you rest in the love of God. You allow him to fill you, and then that fruit is born out of that. When we take time to delight in the ways of God, we become filled and produce. So that's remembering the Sabbath. What is observing the Sabbath? John Mark, in his book, he encourages us to think of the Sabbath like a holiday. To think of it like Christmas and Easter, it's something we're building towards. It's already in our calendar. We know that Sabbath is coming and we're excited for that opportunity to settle, to rest, to delight in the Lord. We gear up for it. We plan out the day. 
We make it special and we approach it with anticipation. It's not something that we neglect and then remember to do last minute. So we're rushing through life, we're hurrying, and then on Friday we're like, oh yeah, this is our Sabbath, let's shut it down. That's not going to work. Because then you're going to be thinking about everything else that you were supposed to be doing on that day and the things that need to be done instead of resting and delighting. You're building, you're observing that day and building towards it. Dan Allender puts it this way. The Sabbath is an invitation to enter delight. The Sabbath, when experienced as God intended, is the best day of our lives. Without question or thought, it is the best day of the week. It is the day we anticipate on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and the day we remember on Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. Sabbath is the holy time where we feast, play, dance, have sex, sing, pray, laugh, tell stories, read, paint, walk, and watch creation in its fullness. Few people are willing to enter the Sabbath and sanctify it, to make it holy, because a full day of delight and joy is more than most people can bear in a lifetime, let alone a week. I love that first line. The Sabbath is an invitation to enter delight, to worship by remembering the goodness of God, the life and sacrifice and resurrection of Jesus Christ and the presence of the Holy Spirit, to rest and to delight in those things. Sabbath is not a day of restrictions filled with rules and regulations. It is a day of enrichment spent with family and friends. So we are commanded in the Old Testament to remember and to observe. So we could say, yeah, but that's Old Testament law. But in the New Testament, we're reminded of it again. In Hebrews 4, 9 through 11, it says, There remains then a Sabbath, rest for the people of God, For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. They're calling back to creation. God did that. We should be doing it. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest. I'm going to confess to you right now, Sabbath is not something I have thought about. It's not a commandment that I have looked at and been like, yes, we need to live that out. It's neglected. We've neglected it. Chris talked about that a couple weeks ago. It's something we just disregard. But it's important. It's commanded. And then in uh, Hebrews, it says, make every effort. Don't just let it slide by. Make an effort. Make this a part of your life. As A.J. Swoboda says, the Sabbath has largely been forgotten by the church, which has uncritically mimicked the rhythms of the industrial and success-obsessed West. The result, our road-weary, exhausted churches have largely failed to integrate Sabbath into their lives as vital elements of Christian discipleship. It is not as though we do not love God. We love God deeply. We just don't know how to sit with God anymore. We've become perhaps the most emotionally exhausted, psychologically overworked, spiritually malnourished people in history. I think as we read that, a lot of us are thinking, yeah, we are. I am. I don't know how to sit with God. When did I lose that? When did I lose the ability? Have I not even found the ability 
to rest and to delight and to sit with him. See, the Sabbath is meant as a gift to the people of God. It realigns our minds on the things of God. It causes us to unhurry, to be filled with desire for the delights that only God can fulfill. This world will never achieve that. Jesus says this in Mark 2.27, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Essentially, he's saying, this was meant for you. It is the only commandment that is a spiritual discipline. It is a gift given to us to remember rest. Think about that. God commands us to rest. God commands us to sit and to delight and take a break. It's essential. But as John Mark Comer says, we live in a culture of more. A culture of gaping, unquenchable lust for everything. Lust for more food, more drink, more clothes, more devices, more apps, more things, more square footage, more experiences, more stamps on the passport, more. So what if we stopped seeking more and we started seeking the delights of God and we were okay with the ordinary, knowing that God has given us what we need? What if we took 24 hours to shift from the hurried pace that we live, the hurried pace of this world, and we took time to rest? Time to rest in the joys of God that truly do surround us. What if we took a break from ambition and decided to abide in the presence of God? I believe it would be transformative for every person in this place and every person watching online. It would change us. Not only would it transform us individually, but it would transform our families and those around us. Before first service, my uncle Bob came in and we had like a quick uh, back and forth about Sabbath. And he said, Sabbath is something that identifies us as Jesus followers. And I was like, it is, but we don't live it out. But then he brought up, what about Chick-fil-A? And I was like, oh yeah, they observe Sabbath and they're one of the most successful companies in the United States. Andrew knows. If you have any questions about Chick-fil-A, I'm just kidding. But also Hobby Lobby is another one. They shut it down on Sunday. They observe the Sabbath. They say this is a part of who we are. It's in our DNA. And so people look at those companies and they see them as Christian companies and they're attacked for it, yes, but they're also known for it. So what about us? If we're observing the Sabbath, are people seeing a difference in us? man, they come out of their, their day off or whatever they call it, and they're just like radiating with the presence of God. There's such joy in them. I don't know how they have that. Is there a difference? Are we representing Christ through our Sabbath? So what does it look like? What does Sabbath look like? I'm not going to go through all the nitty-gritty of it. I want to keep it simple. We kept silence and solitude simple, so we're going to keep this simple too. We don't want to get overbearing with regulatory efforts of Sabbath, all of these rules and regulations. That's where the Pharisees got tripped up. 
That's where they were like, we don't want to break this law, so we're going to create 600 laws around it so we don't even get close to breaking this one law. And remember when Jesus said that the Sabbath was made for man? Well, this comes from a story where the Pharisees are calling him out. Mark 2, starting in verse 23, says, One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields. He was going from one place to another, and his disciples walked along. They began to pick some heads of grain. They were hungry. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He answered, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat, and he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And I love this line. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Essentially what he's saying is, you have become so strict in your regulations of Sabbath that you're not even allowing people who are hungry to eat. You are limiting this so much that there are people in Jerusalem who are starving, but if they were to have to pick a piece of grain off, you would condemn them because they're hungry. And then he goes further and he says, hey, remember David, the guy that you hold in such high regard, the king of Israel that everybody looks to as the example? Remember when he was hungry? He stole bread from priests. And you don't hold that against him, and yet you're calling me out. And then he goes one step further. He says, the Sabbath was meant to be a gift, and you're making it something that is a law-filled ritual that people feel guilty about. So he says, I'm claiming back ownership because I am the Lord of the Sabbath. You've taken it and manipulated it and made it something that's not supposed to be. And on behalf of my father, God, who gave us the example of what Sabbath is supposed to be, I'm claiming it back because I am the Lord of the Sabbath. And I think that should make you have a little bit of chills to think about that. He was claiming that in the moment, not only that, he's also telling them, I am the son of God. And I don't like what you're doing on behalf of my father, so I'm claiming it back. There are other times where the Pharisees call out Jesus for performing miracles. So on the Sabbath, he goes to someone and he heals them. This life of uh, travesty that they've lived, and he heals them, and then they're like, you're working. Really? Can you imagine being Jesus? I mean, think about that. Ask the question, did healing someone bring rest and worship? And delight? You bet it did. That person who had not rested in decades because they were struggling with a disease, and Jesus comes and says, you are healed. They have finally found rest. And as a result, they worship the Lord, and they say, God Almighty has healed me. And then as a result of that, everyone around seeing that delights in the ways of the Lord. See, Sabbath is meant for us to rest and to delight So here are five things to consider. And you can take a picture of this with your phone. You can write it down, whatever you need to do. This is like a very vague framework for the day. Number one, set aside a day. Now, again, I don't want to be regulatory on this, so you need to pick the day. Most of you probably think automatically, well, Sunday is a great day to do that. I just come to church and I rest and I abide. Well, are you? When you come to church, are you resting and and worshiping when you're here? 
is that considered part of your Sabbath? Think about that. For us as pastors, we don't choose Sundays as our Sabbath because we're working, we're doing things. So what day works best for you? Now that you've chosen that day, clear your schedule. Look at your calendar and think, okay, I want to do Thursday, but I've got an appointment on Thursday. Can you clear that? Can you move it somewhere else? Number three, turn off your phone. That's a tough one, right? But the phone demands my attention. What if somebody needs to get a hold of me? Well, the author of this book not only turns off their phones, they put it in a box and then in another room. Now, for some of you, you're thinking, well, I have a sick aunt or I have a sick mom or uh, I have a, a daughter that needs me at a moment's notice. That's fine. Put it in your back room. Check your phone periodically if you need to, but not because you're going back there to check the score or to be on Instagram for a little bit. Number four, say a prayer to invite the Holy Spirit to pastor you into his presence. So whatever day you choose, say it's Thursday at 7 p.m., At 7 p.m., you gather your family together and you pray and you ask the Holy Spirit to guide and direct you to be amongst you during this Sabbath time so that everyone knows we're in this together, we are doing this as a family, and God is leading us. And number five, rest and worship. So ask that question. When something comes up, let's say the Collins, who are friends of ours, ask us to come over and have dinner. And it's during our Sabbath. And Angela and I say, Is that rest and is it delight? I could be really mean right now. (laughs) Is that rest and is it delight? Yeah, for us it would be because we'd be able to rest and talk about life with them and delight in what God is doing in our lives. Now, if my parents asked me to come over, that's a different story. (laughs) Just kidding. But ask that question. Is it rest? Does it cause me to worship? But I also want you to be careful. Rest and laziness are two different things. So don't use it as an excuse. When your wife comes to you and says, hey, let's go for a walk with the family. That would bring me some delight. And you say, nope, I have to rest. Can't move from this spot. I've been watching sports all day, and that helps me rest. Does it? No. And vice versa. If the husband says, hey, let's play a game. Let's go play kickball in the backyard with the kids. And the wife's like, ugh, but I want to rest. You know, think about that. Does it cause us as a unit to rest and to worship? Don't use it as an excuse. So your challenge last week was to set aside 15 to 30 minutes every day to spend in silence and solitude. And again, please tell us your story. Email me at john, J-O-N, at familybible.church or chris, K-R-I-S, at familybible.church and let us know how that's impacting your hurried pace of life and how that's working for you. And then this week, build on that challenge and set aside 24 hours. It could be from 5 p.m. Wednesday to 5 p.m. Thursday, 7 p.m. Friday to 7 p.m. Saturday. However it works for you, set aside a day. Maybe it doesn't work for you this week. Look on your calendar to next week. Maybe this week is completely booked. You've got everything done. Okay, we'll look to next week. Pick a day, put that on your calendar, observe it, build towards it, be ready for it. Look to that day with anticipation. Just try it. It's something you can do. This is something you can do. Just try it. See what it impacts uh, on your pace of life. Real quickly as we close, Angela and I chose to do this this past Friday. And as I said, we have not uh, really practiced this well. So we decided we're going to practice this on Friday from 5 p.m. to 5 p.m. Saturday. At 5 p.m., we sat with the kids. We explained what Sabbath was. What does that mean? Well, it comes from the word Shabbat. What does that mean? It means to stop and to delight. What does delight mean? 
Well, it means this. And we had an opportunity to explain that to them, to have dinner together. And when I said, part of it is turning off your phones and putting it in the back room, my daughter Evie went, yes. And immediately my heart broke because I was like, oh, shoot. I've been on my phone way too much. And it's a realization. But there's a learning curve too because we started the day at five and about seven, I walked into the kitchen and I was like, oh, I forgot to do the dishes. And so the dishes sat there until this morning. They're still there and I need to do that later. But it was one of those that during my Sabbath, I kept walking by that thinking, oh, I should have done the dishes. So be prepared, plan in advance, get that stuff done so that you can be resting and delighting. Have board games ready, have other things ready. For us, it fills us with delight to watch the Olympics. So we watched some of the Olympics and then my kids were gymnasts for the rest of the day, climbing over everything, trying, my daughter got on the rings in the um, playground in the back and got stuck up there and I had to get her down. Um, my son is a future gymnast. It's crazy. We went on a bike ride. We spent time together, but it was intentional time. We played games. We had so much fun. Angela pointed out that my son Avery is five months old, and it was one of the first times I've had him facing me, talking with him, and interacting with him since he's been born. I live in a life of hurry, and I'm trying to fix that, and I was able to spend intentional time with him, and it was awesome. We loved not having our phones. Was it hard? Yes, at first it was. Because five hit, hit around, and I knew that my fantasy baseball league was going to start around 7-10 because a lot of the games were starting, so I needed to check my phone to make sure my team was ready. Did I, though? I can wait on that. It's not that important. We also read some books. We all took naps. It was great. It was restful. We delighted in the Lord. We prayed together. So keep it simple. And again, you can do this. This is something you can do. We talked about this when we started the series. We're going to give you practical things to do. So 15 to 30 minutes every day, and then set aside a day for Sabbath. I want to close to you again with a quote from John Mark, as we did last week, where he gives a description of what Sabbath is like. So if you need to close your eyes and picture this or read along with me, that's fine. But it says this, Drink deeply from the well of ordinary life. A meal with friends, time with family, a walk in the forest, afternoon tea. Above all, slow down long enough to enjoy life with God, who offers everything that materialism promises but can never deliver on, namely contentment. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, again, we confess to you that we have disregarded a command. This idea of Sabbath doesn't even cross our minds. And yet you commanded it to us so that we could experience you on a deeper level. To give it to us as a gift, as a reflection of what you did. So help us, Lord, to make it a priority to remember it, to observe it, to look forward to it with anticipation. God, help us to be a people that want to abide in your presence and don't lose sight of what it is to sit with you. Challenge us, God. Move in our hearts. Remind us of this. God, we give this time to you. We love you and praise you. Amen. 